you know, good praxis when superhero. <laughs> My name is Lemel, and this is Champions and Chai, a podcast where we talk about Champions and Ms. Marvel from the Marvel Comics. Do you oh, want to yeah. start talking about Champions? Oh my god, we have a lot to I talk about. this podcast, Champions yeah, and Chai. Okay. We're, we're finally on Champions. It's okay, like... Champions number four is written by Evel Ewing, uh, artist Bob Quinn, colors are Federico Blee, letters are by Clayton Cowles, and the cover is by Tony Infante, and the editor is Alana Smith. It was good. <laughs> it, it's amazing as always. Another <laughs> banger. I guess the main thing that I really wanted to talk about is how this comment allows all the champions team members to be children in a stressful mm-hmm. situation and actually act like children uh, which yeah. I think is really important because we've talked about before how when Mark Wade's run a lot of traumatic things happen to the champions and and there's not much of showing of how they cope with it but I think yeah. Ewing is really smart about how she shows how Kamala, Sam, Miles and Riri coped and Viv in this issue cope with being betrayed and feeling conflicted and stuff about like their circumstances like all of the characters humanity in their own way I yeah you're right like with Wade's run it that really didn't show <laughs> that well and I mean this is a really stressful situation and you can see that these are kids that that does make me more conflicted about Kamala's law but <laughs> and the way they like comfort each other too during like, like when each of them have like hard times it's it's really sweet and even you know with Cyclops revealing that it was Viv who betrayed them it was just the shock of her being alive that was mostly on their mind it was so good <laughs> I like the little small details where Eviewing shows like she knows like just how teens behave when Riri is really frustrated by Scott because she won't be let into Krakowa and she just throws the soda can. So like Riri, like she's like very, she's so intelligent, but at the same time when like she's stressed out, she reverts back into this childlike state and does really immature things. And this is how teenagers actually act. No, I think it's great. Like these characters aren't like as emotionally mature as, as you would think. And and I think it, it works well. It's a, they are really vulnerable right now. The next panel where they're all just like, where like Miles and Sam and Riri are just have their back turned to Scott. And he's like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I didn't mean to like to. And they're just so mad at him. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Even as an adult, Scott is still the most uncool member of Chase. It's just like, <laughs> Scott, I vibe with Scott right now. This is like I my love everyday life. Like, it was kind of like... A little disappointing that they're not going to Krakoa, but also there's only one issue left. So I'm like, I get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. The reactions were interesting as well. And then Scott, like, he tried his best. He didn't give them time, which is really important because, like, you know, you need some time to think things out when you're under a really stressful situation. And in this moment, I guess when they're with the Marauders, they learn from them. Like, you have this opportunity to, like, not just think about running away from Cradle and see, like, other superheroes in 
action and kind of like see how they make their decisions and how they take accountability and things. And I thought that was really good because it really emphasizes like these are fucking kids and they're still trying to figure things out more specifically i like how like the facade of kamala being like the strong put together leader is broken down over these issues there is like the moment where she's really like stressed out by the public opinion of her and sam kind of goes and comforts her that's kamala khan i recognize you i know it was so sweet and it's something like I feel like there's there is a phenomenon of Kamala being constantly politicized as being one of the most upfront Muslim superheroes in Marvel. Like she does get politicized a lot. If she was a person, like a real person, would she like that? Probably not. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. I I think that like it's handled really well here. And you can see that like that's not actually who she is. She isn't some big and she feels humanity. overwhelmed by this attention that she Yeah, exactly. Getting. Like she like, made this hasty decision on Twitter to state her views on something and then everyone came for her and she got really stressed out. And even as a 24-year-old, I can vibe with that wink wink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I I just thought it was presented really well here. And I really enjoyed that. One thing I also wanted to talk about is kind of like this pattern that I feel like it came from Miss Marvel originally. And now it's like bleeding into champions is like non-violent superheroing. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I love like, the fight in this. The fight yeah, with the was, X-Men. Like there's a lot of like hints of it. And I feel like they like maybe like even kind of when it came first from Miss Marvel and then it's kind of like coming over to her other comics even be- before the fight scene because I do want to talk about Atuma because I thought it was super interesting but when there was the scene with the senator and they were talking about um you know how they're succeeding with getting all teen teen superheroes under wraps basically but then the one issue is the champions and basically like Senator Patrick, I think he's saying like, oh, getting the champions is our most important victory. And then his secretary is like, like, uh, well, in terms of like their sheer power levels, like it's, it's really, they're really not the biggest team, like team team right now. And he was like, it doesn't matter. Like it's the symbolism, you know, it's not, it's not like about that. It's interesting, like just this statement that the champions like power wise, they aren't the most powerful superhero team when we talked about Kamala's powers being not like non-violent, like technically they're not a huge threat to be dealt with. There are heroes within champions that are, have their own like powers that are really strong, but that's not their main image. Like it's less about their power and more about what they do. And I thought that was really interesting. And then when it got to the fight, Kamala made the first call with will rescue the civilians if the X-Men fight Atuma. I feel like there's this focus on the champions not being, they're not first to fight. I have like so many theories. I've thought about this. <laughs> I oh have, like... God. We like <laughs> have to talk to E-Viewing and just hash this out with her. Like I'm so interested in her thoughts. On I have how... so many thoughts about this because I do feel like this is the direction they're going in where they're like, I mean, they will fight when they need to. It, like, it's happened. Like, they are fighting, but it's not their first decision. It's not their first strategy. I can see that with how Sam is being drawn as well. Like, in issue one, you know when we talk about, like, Sam and Kamala's early relationship, she was really, like, put off by him being very much brash and first to attack. And he kind of, like, yeah. pummels a building. Oh, yeah. he, pu- he pummels a building. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like, he very much had that mindset where he was, like, he would immediately be on the attack. And I can see that with him being like mostly in space, but when you're when you're on Earth, 
it's very different you know <laughs> and like she was really put off by that about him but then like I feel like when you see him in Champions this wasn't something that his powers did before but when there was that scene with the protesters and they were like um about to have some sort of conflict with Cradle when Sam and Miles jump in Sam basically traps the protesters in a bubble and then they're like oh my god it's Nova but he like puts them in a protective bubble rather than just like shooting beams straight at oh uh, I didn't even notice that yeah wow I like thought about that because I was like I I didn't think that was something that Sam's powers could do you know because it's mostly just like beam of course he uses it when he has to but I thought that was like really interesting and I feel like these are small signs of how the champions are more focused on saving civilians rather than attacking yeah yeah but maybe this is me reading way too far into it no I think it is I think it is a valid like point and perspective and I think Eve Ewing since she's very she's like very aware of like the implications of the American superhero genre and how like oh can problems be solved by like someone in a bright costume just punching someone so I feel I mean she's tweeted stuff alluded to that I think I think I'm not sure but I feel I feel like she would be aware of that and she would like try to incorporate that when she writes superheroes yeah, I, I just thought that was really interesting progression of this character and how that reflects the champions as a whole, because it kind of seems like Sam like learned from his relationship with Kamala on like the implications of how to on your first action. And that kind yeah, of leads into all of the champions, you know, and now when Kamala makes a call for what the champions should do in this sort of situation, like their fight with Atuma, they don't actually fight their they're ready to rescue civilians first. There's something I don't like about Ms. Marvel, but uh, mm-hmm. I, that I just thought of, where like Kamala's first action in Ms. Marvel, in Magnificent Ms. Marvel, is often to punch the problem. And I don't, that's the one part of like Saladin, Saladin's writing that I don't like. I'm sorry to bring this up in the champion section, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, you just think of things and you're like, you know, in the first trade, the bird aliens were like attacking and she just punched them until they turned to the goo. And I was like, oh, that's, that's an interesting direction for Ms. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely feel that. Maybe I really like that. I just really like when it's less focused on, I mean, we all love good fights and big action, of course. But like when you think about like if this somehow manifested in real life, I would like this type of superhero team more than someone who's immediately ready to like shoot down whatever. And like destroy a whole block. Like, yeah, exactly. This is how you end up with like Sokovia Accords. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you I, guys deserve Sokovia Accords. Yeah. <laughs> I think that just reveals something really nice about where this team is going that I really like. You know, nonviolent action. And also the complexity of Atuma and, like, the implications of their fight was also really interesting. With the Marauders are, like, taking Atuma down, but it's revealed the ship he's attacking. They're doing, like, seismic surveys, and it's, like, giving off like, a lot of disruptive energy into the ocean, right? And that mm-hmm. is a real problem. I don't really know a lot about seismic surveys but I've seen like actually in a documentary about Inuit politics that I watched like it was talking about how basically a lot of like oil and gas companies they do use seismic surveys it basically like disrupts a lot of the natural environment in the ocean especially in the Arctic because there's a lot of like delicate ecosystems there it was talking about how like basically a lot of whales and like narwhals and things like they their natural instincts are totally like messed up by these seismic surveys and I just thought that was like really interesting point to bring up that Atuma like was in the right 
to some extent. And even one of his lines be like, whenever there's a writer of color, they're always going to talk about imperialism. But like, <laughs> Atuma mentions because Storm asks, can these people not coexist peaceably with you? And he says, no, they extract and they destroy, they exploit and they invade and they call it discovery. And I mean, he was in the right, you know? Yeah. So basically the champions and the marauders were able to neutralize Atuma and save these people while making sure that they actually stop their seismic surveys and find a more peaceful direction oh. to go in with their work. I just thought it was really cool. I love it when writers of color start writing their feelings about imperialism. <laughs> That's a really good point. And I think it's also nice that there's, you know, kind of moral ambiguity. Like the Marauders, they teach the champions this lesson about how like it isn't always clear like who who's good and who's bad in every single fight, but you just have to figure out what people need as you go along and hope yeah. that you don't make a mistake. There isn't there isn't like a strong like oh, superheroes are just right all the time and they need to punch out the person who was labeled as bad. There's like, you need to like consider each decision that you make as you go along. I think that's like a nice, you know, message. No, I definitely love this message. I agree with you completely. And even like with the way the X-Men neutralized the Tuma, if they knocked him out first fight, they wouldn't have known that he had this perspective, you know, and his home was being threatened by these people's actions. When Iceman froze him up, they still allowed him to speak and say his piece and his piece was valid. They let him go and they didn't take him away to be arrested or something. They let him go because he had nothing to fight over when the people doing these surveys agreed not to do them anymore. And I thought that was just such a great way for both the champions and the X-Men to like have, you know, good praxis when superhero. <laughs> it's all about good praxis. You like, you'll never know the lived experience of who you perceive to be a villain, right? So if you let them like say their piece, you might find something more agreeable than you thought. I just thought it was so good. So good. Uh, that's <laughs> I, I love this fight. to champions. I know, be like, it was so good. Even like X-Men fans were like, uh, why is this the best the Marauders have ever been like written and depicted? It's like, and you know what? Maybe you bitches just need to start just reading Champions. I know, maybe you should just buy Champions and maybe Marvel will hire more writers of color, right? black writers, yeah. and they will like create good stories about the X-Men as well. We can hope for this because I do feel like there were so many problems with Marauders that a lot of people had issue with, like from whitewashing to anti-Semitism. Yeah, anti-Semitism and Kitty's like religion being erased. And when you're writing a book about a fictional marginalized identity you can't just erase the other identities that a character has you know and even with people were even saying in champions like even the most simple thing like kitty was drawn having the star of david necklace which didn't exist in the marauders ongoing apparently but these yeah. are just like these are just small details that fans appreciate because a lot of jewish fans look up to kitty pride and when that aspect of her identity is erased it feels kind of like a big fuck you you know yeah but, yeah exactly this is something that like writers of color will would know best about and they would yeah, be and very I loved, respectful like, of. Yeah, and I know? love how uh, Bob Quint drew like all, all the characters' features, especially like the people of color in this. Storm had like, you know, distinctly like black features and Kamala is distinctly like Pakistani. Yeah. Like it wasn't Good just job, like, you King. know, people drawing like, and they all look different too. Uh, you know, places. like Riri and Storm don't look the same, which is nice. And 
sensitive and even like, even Viv's human form has a very distinct face that's mm-hmm. different from like other other brown characters in the comic. This is some good art. <laughs> Bob Quinn, you are like the one white man I trust. I know, like everyone looks fucking great here. Storm is a white yeah. Oh and yeah, I, we should also talk about like Viv, Viv and Cora. I think I think oh, that yeah. relationship oh, that is so, so sweet. sweet. Yeah. I thought it was really good because I think one thing is like when you're a, when you're a teenager, there's a lot you just don't know. I, yeah, I didn't, exactly. I didn't know a lot when I was Viv's age, you know. And I mean, I know some people were upset with her being the traitor, but like I feel like if I was put in that situation, I would also feel extremely conflicted. Sometimes there are some people like who might have perfect praxis when they're 17 years old, but that wasn't me. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know shit and. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I just thought it was portrayed in a really good way. She Her relationship with this older woman who very quickly became a mentor helped her realize that she did have valid reasons to be worried about her friends, but at the same time, she needs to like go to them and talk to them talk about how she's feeling. Yeah, talk it out. Talk about what she's feeling. You know, she's yeah. worried about their safety and she feels really messed up over what happened, which is extremely valid. But, you know, it just took an older mentor to like help put her in the right direction, which I thought was so I, sweet. Yeah, I wrote down like she's like an android and she knows she knows everything but at the same time she still has these problems with dealing with conflicts and she kind of Mm -hmm. runs away from them so that's kind of what I think Viv's arc is about it's very humanizing and relatable and nice it is I mean yeah exactly she might be like a synthesoid but it's not like that makes her perfect in any way but I feel like that really shows like she was like confused in issue three about the humanity about what makes humans so complicated and how they always contradict themselves but then she doesn't realize that's her as well because like she is just as human as everyone else which I thought was really great and now she knows what she has to do and I just thought it was so beautiful I love her yeah and I love how there's there, and I like and I like how there's like a promise at the end that like Viv and Cora will keep meeting up with each other I think that's really you know sweet for Viv as a character because even though I haven't read the Vision comic yet I know like Viv's mother was killed in that one so yeah. I think it's really nice that she has this older woman mentor in her life and I also love the connection you know in that scene with civil rights sit-ins and mm-hmm. how Cora used that real life example to show like how breaking the rules does mean you're in the wrong and even even when it like puts your friends in danger, you have to do it because you know it's right which was definitely something she was conflicted about because she loves all her friends and she doesn't want them to get hurt but at the same time there's they all have to work for something greater here you know it's so mm-hmm. good also like okay small detail but who didn't have a fashion flop was Viv <laughs> I feel like I never liked her outfits throughout all of Champions I was like what oh, is yeah. going what is going on like you <laughs> yeah it was like just tight ripped jeans and stuff yeah or it was like cargo pants and then sleeveless sweaters it was so weird yeah. I was maybe I think- like her being a fashion flop was kind of oh a character quirk but also I'm like uh. <laughs> but like she she just has simple high-waisted jeans here and uh, her nice shirt and I just thought it was cute this is like kind of like if you saw the like profile of like teenager right now that's what one would look like just in a very normal outfit and i was just like oh nice yeah, like, I know. not having fashion yeah. flops anymore <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, Ewing is like very conscious about like, like teenage female characters are like drawn and portrayed in her books. Because I remember there is the cover of Riri's first appearance. Riri has these big hoops of the sleeveless shirt and stuff. And I think Ewing made this tweet on her Twitter. Like there's like other images of Riri Williams that exist out there. In Ironheart, she depicted Riri in more casual clothes that fit her character more. Yeah, and definitely. So like, I think it's really important to have like female writers especially female writers of color thinking about like how teenage female characters of color look and making sure they aren't too over sexualized or anything yeah or like depicted in a way too mature way especially when it's like that's a teenager you know (laughs) but also making sure like they look cute exactly like cute and relatable you're like oh that's like a cool a teenager to be like oh that's a cool kid you know (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's just like lame for me to say it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I I meet a lot of cool kids every day. <laughs> it's 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 fine. I understand. <laughs> I don't know. I just really God, fucking bangers. Each champions issue, I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. Like, artistry. This is like the best comic out there. You know, like like the, I don't read like that the many fucking... comics, but I know, like the political nuance, like the under the understanding of these characters. Everything is just great. Even like my only criticisms are so small and petty. Like I don't even give a shit. Like and it's not even like it's not even big picture for me, you know? Big picture, yeah. this comic is perfect. Oh my god, please buy it, people. Like purchase everyone it. buy champions. It's or black I'm going month. to like hate you <laughs> if you listen to this and don't buy it. It is Black History Month. Editor's note. We recorded this in February, but you know what? March should be Black History Month too. Buy from Black writers. They need to have bigger platforms, bigger, larger platforms so that better stories like this can be totally amplified, you know? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, I've always been thinking about the political implications of superheroes and what they do. And whenever I thought about champions and, like, how the whole theme from the beginning was that they're changing the world and that they're doing what the Avengers won't do. And it's like, but what is that? And I feel like we really thought about what that is, which is, it's less about fighting this big foreign bad that's abstract as a concept, right? It's more about just helping people, understanding all sides of a conflict, and just having good practices. Good shit! I saw some non-profit education Twitter accounts and they were like here's my champions review fucking long ass thread about like <laughs> the, po- about the how- political things in the champions yeah book. and like how this is like such a good tool a lot of it was about the non-violence <laughs> champions it's still engaging and like action-packed but at the same time like you can kind of like derive this this more peaceful sort of like solution building also with the X-Men's appearance I'm like the people of color need to write the X-Men that's like the only way X-Men's going to be good I'm sorry. I know. (laughs) I know. Let people of color write the X-Men. Even with like Krakoa, I've had so many conflicting on like Krakoa as a creation and the political implications of what Krakoa is. Of course, with the direction of this comics narrative and it only being five issues, I'm like, yeah, they couldn't go to Krakoa. That makes sense. Scott is like one of the leading members of the X-Men and he wanted the champions to like find refuge in Krakoa. But then like the council members, the other council members didn't allow it. Oh, yeah. I was like, damn, that is fucked up. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. have no solidarity with other marginalized groups, even when one of the main leaders is like advocating for it. God. The implications of that is like not good, in my opinion. Reminds and- me of that one meme where the guy is like, "Well, you just don't understand because you're not a minority," and the other girl's Asian, and she's like, "I'm not a minority." <laughs> Like, exactly. that's the X-Men to the champions in this issue. I know. But then you can tell with Eve Ewing's writing that she would write a really good X-Men book. with You know, with the way the Marauders and Cyclops were all, like, depicted. It was so good. But if she ever gets a new gig, it's like, it's gotta be champions related. You can't have her extend. <laughs> Unless it's Storm or something, but that's it. Do you have anything else you want to say about the Asian? The only other thing I have is like, I like how the X-Men didn't overpower the champions. They're just like, they're kind of further along the plot. And going ahead, you can sort of see a solution coming together, at least for now, with the champions' conflicts. And it's a very neat setup that I would not have thought of when I started the run. So props to Ewing for wrapping this up in like a very satisfying way in only five issues. And I can't wait for the new creative team. Oh, we got to talk about that. Okay, before we talk about that, issue five, when it comes out, it's going to like end all comics. I'm like, this is going to be some good shit. (laughs) So you better like start reading this series now before issue five comes out. Because I know it's just, oh my God, it's going to be so good. I can't even contain my energy for this. Okay, we should talk about the new creative team. So Danny Lore and Luciano Vecchio. All LGBT team. We are going. Yes. <laughs> Champions <laughs> keeps winning. We keep winning. <laughs> Another black writer, a LGBT, a gay artist. We are winning. We are winning, gays. We are winning. <laughs> so Danny said uh, on their Twitter that they were working on like a messy gay storyline. And I'm really interested to see what that is. Me like in my head, I'm just like fucking calculating, fucking like running the numbers. I have my conspiracy theory board in my room. <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. Is it Viv? Me like Viv. Viv says Raby? the word lesbian. Manifest. <laughs> Viv has not said the word lesbian in all of Champions. And I was just like, Jim Zub, what scares you? (laughs) My God. Just say the word, sir, please. Like, also, like, the solicitations for what Danny War has in store for us. That sounds so fun. Infiltrating, like, a tech company. And also, like, Outlaw isn't just disappearing after issue five. There's still implications and there's still, like, backlash. I thought that's good because sometimes when an event ends, it's like, this never happened. You're like, what? Like, what? Like, Carol and Kamala are, like, besties again? Yeah, I'm like, everything just got reset. What's the point? Why did, like, everyone was like, oh, this will change the Marvel Universe forever. And then everyone ignores it and then moves on to the next event. So I'm really glad that there's, like, still continuity with this. And mm-hmm. in a really fun way, I'm like, with this whole, like, infiltrating a tech company while Kamala's trying to, like, <laughs> figure, figure out how to use her public image, I'm like, this reads full-on shenanigans I love it. that's like so fun like I love how you know even in the outlawed arc even while they're facing these really serious situations there's still some good fun in it and I love that this book is fun I know like, actively trying to be fun like I don't want to see Miles make a deal with the devil over Kamala's oh dead body again like just <sighs> like a comic industry doesn't have to be big st- like I mean Outlaw oh, had big yeah. stakes, but you know, like when I'm talking about overall 
fucking a deal with the devil and like all this shit. What? Come on. I just want shenanigans. <laughs> and I'm getting deep shenanigans vibe, especially with the whole like they're uh, in the two champions. Yeah, there's like two members who will be infiltrating as interns. Cam and Miles manifesting. Manifest. Editor's note. We manifested. God, that'd just be so dumb and so funny. I do think it's very likely because Miles has a secret identity and Sam has the least public presence out of the other Champions members. You know, if we're like thinking yeah. about all of them right now, like, yeah, like most it can't of them be have Riri. public. Yeah, Riri has a public persona. I guess Viv could, but I, I'm not really, I'm not really sure about that either. I mean, human Viv on the other hand, yeah, like, could. He, like Viv in her human form could, but. I, like I'm not sure like she seems like she would be more likely to be helping Kamala behind the scenes I think like Anka and Amadeus have more public personas and then we're thinking like Nadia as well and so it's just like it's gotta it's gotta be those two but whoever it is I know that's going to be shenanigans you know? <laughs> yeah I'm really glad that uh, the new champions writer isn't a white man because <laughs> yeah i i really hope this is just going to be like a reoccurring pattern for as long as champions exist i'm like i want it to be like an opportunity for writers of color to like break into this industry that most of the time fucking sucks and runs on a lot of like old white men who tell who the just same like stories over toss over the again. books between each other exactly it's that's boring like i don't want that like even even like show me that teen superheroes can be fun they can be relatable they can not know what dry cleaning is good stuff breakfast <laughs> can hit different oh uh, when he's when miles said that breakfast hits different i like wanted to cry <laughs> I was like, I love you, boy. <laughs> Her dialogue is amazing. It's so funny. Teenagers are so dumb and funny. I, I feel like she really knows, you know, these are teens who are like vulnerable, but they're also, they can also be like pretty stupid sometimes. And but they can but also they get, help each other out. And yeah, and they can make a huge difference, you know? And I'm really excited about Danny Lore as well. Like, I, I'm getting good vibes. Luci- Luciano Vecchio, his art is great. He did such a good job in Ironheart, so I'm really excited about that. His art in Ironheart was like chef's kiss. Beautiful, you know? He posted sketches and stuff, and he talked about how he always wanted to work on Champions. So it's looking good. It's like the sketches are looking really good. (laughs) Is there any other last points that you wanted to discuss? I guess one thing, I just thought of this now, but in Magnificent Miss Marvel, I think throughout the run, there was only one reference to Zoe's, like, gayness. That's a little, that's a little <gasps> You're weird. right. It's like, <laughs> now that we're talking about gays, I'm like, mm. no, I definitely feel you on that, though. Come on. This is a white girl. Yes, I know. She's also a lesbian. I would like to, like, see it. I know that, like, the comic, like, had its own pace and it was so, it was, like, more focused on Kamala and stuff. At the same time, like, I feel like when Jubilee Wilson was writing, like, she still made time for the side characters and that's why we cared about, we joke about Zoe being that white girl, but I still do, like, care about her. That's what, that's also why I was super disappointed at the whole outlawed thing, like, not being resolved well. I just thought of this right now. Jo- when, like, Josh was in jail because of Civil War Two, there was so much fallout from that on, like, yeah. Yeah, Kamala and like Bruno decided to blow himself were you blowing yourself up now dude huh (laughs) like what what the fuck yeah there was like more emotional impact on like everyone in their friend group because of that 
And they weren't even that close to Josh. If this had more time, I really would have wished that we would have seen the fallout of Kamala's friend group after all of this shit. I don't even know if Kamala told Nakia about what happened with her and Bruno, but I feel like if she did, Nakia would be like, that is really fucked up and manipulative, sneaky. I mean, I guess she told a version of it to her. She like said she and Bruno kissed and things got weird after, but I don't think, I don't know if she said the full context of it. But then did Nakia even acknowledge that Kamala's dad was in the hospital? I wanted Nakia to yell at him so badly and slap him. I don't know if if it was just Ahmed not having the time to completely resolve this or if it was just he wasn't aware of the implications of Bruno's actions, but it really did feel unaware totally of just like how bad this shit is, how toxic it is. I know it's really difficult to get this all packed in into 18 to 20 pages, but at the same time, I'm like, I've seen other writers do this, you know, and I really would have liked to have seen that. A lot of these characters, to me right now, I'm like, these bitches are on thin ice. I, like, y'all are snakes. Like me, like, at Kamala's friend group, I'm like, all of y'all are like sus. I don't, I don't like you. Of course, we had criticisms of G. Willow Wilson as well, but it was like to a much lesser extent to me for me i feel like if she did do uh kamala bruno like relationship art it would have been a little less toxic imo Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have been it yeah that wouldn't have this wouldn't have been it to mr ahmed my i am like giving you complete praise on miles morales so please forgive me for my extreme criticism of magnificent miss marvel alana smith said that we should be getting a next writer soon but soon can mean very different things in alana smith's world so that's true so i i don't know i mean i don't mind right now because i'm like i need like a nice little i feel like we're fueled by champions because it's just perfect champions is just so good right now that I like I'm okay with that I'm okay with not having a Miss Marvel run right now even even like if there's like one little L I mean it's a pretty big L which is Miss Marvel I can just like ignore it and just like bask in champions for a bit oh I guess like my last thing I wanted to say about champions that I totally forgot Sam Alexander is winning he is MVP Mr. MVP Mr. Worldwide good for him I love it I loved his moments in this issue I know I mean fucking issue two issue three and then this issue too, Eve Ewing, every time she's like, I have a speech planned. In my, even in the Outlawed, one child was just like, she has a speech planned for him. And he's he's just saying it. He's just dishing it out. I really love it. Heart of the Champions, my boy. He's so good. And then like, I thought that whole scene was just really, was really sweet. And then like the whole thing about Kamala like doom scrolling and feeling like really self-conscious about her public, yeah. the public opinion about her. That's of course super relatable. Everyone has had issues with how do other people perceive me and these big actions that I took. Even mm-hmm. though like we'll put on a facade of confidence, so there is still vulnerability there. And we talked about how humanized Kamala is in this run of champions compared to others. But I thought that was like captured really well and in a way that's so relatable to teenagers. There's a lot of like people who feel like the state of the world is just shit and they can't stop doom scrolling. I love how he is like the emotional support team member. He also helped like he also was like comforting Riri when she found out Viv was still alive. In the trio of like Kamala, Miles, and Sam he's very much the one who gets like the least attention a lot of times and that's why like his fans are like the most intense but also like I feel like he is getting like really great development in Champ but I also can't wait for the whole cast to be together again so I can like see it all. Yeah I can't wait to see how this wraps up. We could just be like Buy this comic. Buy it. Please. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and pre-order well, 
Also, your comment was in the back of this issue. <laughs> oh, yeah! Right! Yeah! I, well, I completely forgot to talk about that. Oh, my God. It was in the back of the issue. <laughs> we are, yeah. We, we have all been, like, all the champion stands have been published. God! Now in the back. Was <laughs> <laughs> it AJ also in the back? Yeah, um, yeah. You were in the back. We, we, we were in the fan letters section. <laughs> yeah, we all made it. Alana Smith knows like all of us now, probably by name. I know. She might even know about this podcast. She might even like oh listen god. to it while she's on the subway or something. Oh so, my god, how embarrassing. I, if you were on the subway, I'm I'm sure you tried your best with Ms. Marvel and I appreciate that with what you had to work with, but you're doing amazing on Champions and you made the right call with hiring Danny Lore and Luciano Vecchio. And I really appreciate those decisions and I hope you have an amazing day today. So thank you. I know, exactly. Seconded completely. One last thing, Tony Infante. Oh, these covers, amazing. Oh they my slap God. Yeah. every single time. Oh, beautiful. I just hope he just keeps doing covers. I'm like... I, I like subscribed to his Patreon. He wanted to release an art book of all of his Marvel covers. I was like, do it, King. I would buy it. They're so beautiful. And like he was talking about for issue number four of Champion specifically, like he drew this cover when he was when it was the beginning of lockdown. And he was saying like he was feeling really he was feeling a lot of anxiety about like never leaving his house. And when he was drawing it, he, it felt really euphoric for him because he Aww. he wanted to feel like the freedom and like the joy that these kids were having while he was drawing it. I was like, Aww, oh, that is so that's beautiful. So sweet. <laughs> oh my I god. I think I like, made this meme when the when the cover came out and Kim Kardashian like went to her private island of like what she tweeted <laughs> the cover. <laughs> I don't Basically. know if that's what he intended when he drew this, but I'm glad I I'm glad I somewhat vibe with his artistic interpretation. And even when I was at the comic store, like champions, like very much, there was like a very small pile left. So I was like, covers are a big deal when you're trying to capture the attention of someone in a comic store. And I feel like his covers definitely like hit it. You know, it just immediately draws you in with like its composition, yeah. its colors, everything. Yeah, I love his compositions on some of the covers and how he like does things with the titles and stuff that are like exactly. interesting. Even with issue five, oh, I feel it. I yeah, feel uses like this really kids... dramatic color palette, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be an important issue. I better pick this up. Covers are a really important part of marketing comics, and I think Tony Infante does a really good job of selling me champions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I really feel it. Can I talk about I, how I... like mid magnificent Ms. Marvel covers were? I just thought of, like how just, mid they just were. Say it. <laughs> I, I, was, I think the, the cover artist for the last two ones did like a decent job. Her name mm-hmm. is Mur- Murka Andolfo. So hers were nice. They had like this whimsy to them. I don't know, eye-catching, I guess. But yeah. then like Eduardo Petrovich's, I don't know. I feel like the way he draws Kamala is just kind of weird sometimes. Which little, cover specifically? Like, there's a K- Kamala Bruno Kiss cover, which is just so oh, yeah. awkward. There is a way to draw these romantic types of covers that aren't so uncomfortable. With the Can You Feel the Love Tonight covers and G. Willow Wilson's Brown, those were like adorable and they conveyed the message 
really well. And like the one with like Kamala and Redagger back to back and like her scarf is around yeah, her. Yeah, like, that, was, really that cute. was like cute. That oh was like God, cute. fucking Archie comics-esque cover. That was the best. <laughs> but like the, that that one was just like really, really weird. Like, and I then there's really... her facial features on it too. Mm-hmm. Bruno has like this big hooked nose and Kamala's is like really small. It's like very like gendery. And I just don't vibe with it. Because, like, you know, in their original character designs, Kamala has, like, very distinct... She's, like, an ethnic girl with ethnic facial features. Just, like, a big hooked nose. Bruno has, like, an angle bracket white boy nose. I don't like the implications of that, especially on, like, a woman of color with, like, ethnic features. You can't be feminine and on this romantic cover if you have them. I did... I liked his first cover, like, for issue one. You know, I thought that was like pretty solid, but I can see like I can see what you're talking about. It's like there are different covers, like you know, the future ones. Yeah, I can definitely see what you're talking about. Button nose Kamala is like definitely a problem among Marvel artists. We'll just leave it out here for all y'all to know about. <laughs> I guess he doesn't do it as much as other artists do, but yeah, I still can feel some discomfort with especially the kiss cover. I was like weird. It's like a repeated pattern when she's on the covers with Bruno and it's like the romancy ones like he did it on the mm. other one where they're holding hands like he's a good artist for sure but it's it's yeah. some artists are a better fit for different titles if he was on like i don't know harley quinn yeah. it would work but this is ms marvel yeah i'm like i don't know i'm like so, some of them work some of them don't and I can see it as I, I'm like looking at more of them. I'm like looking through each issue. I'm like some of them like solid, but then others not so much. I definitely think they're like, you're right. Sometimes like some people's art styles just don't fit tonally. That one artist who ha- who did button knows Kamala and then like he oh, used John Kamala Lamb? as his- yeah, and he used Kamala as his header. I'm like, you're proud of that, sir? Like, you're proud of that? Oh, God. <laughs> and then he did the same shit where Bruno was in the comic, and he gave him a big-ass hooked nose. I mean, he's, like, East Asian or something. I'm like, yeah. and I saw I saw him draw, like, East Asian characters, and they look the exact same. Like, the girls look the exact same as Kamala. I'm like, sir, you gotta, like, sit down and have some solidarity with your fellow other Asians, a.k.a. us. <laughs> Not all Asian chicks are going to have tiny nose and the thin eyebrows. You gotta, like, lay off a bit no freckles uh-uh <laughs> banned the freckles like, are banned. <laughs> some folks of color have freckles but it's not that much <laughs> i did like uh, joey vasquez but he was like i i liked his art yeah but i liked it too but he was i feel like i have positive connotations because they were always the nakia and uh zoe issues yeah. that he did Bruno was <laughs> just like god after it. it's a fun style for sure but mm-hmm. i do ha- the same face thing just get me a little and like the tightness of her uniform on her body oh uh, that's true very true like yeah, I, did, I did like tight. the i did like the new costume it was it was a bit much i'd have also, to say it's a yeah fashion. i like it's an uh, another fashion flop unfortunately but i feel like the first one was cute and it had a very like boxed frame come on guys it's not that hard. Even even like some artists who make her costume more form fitting, it's like not not to this extent. That's like kind of weird. You know what I mean? It's a dress. Another thing about Joey Vasquez is like he makes her body shape the same too. And it's like Kamala's very short and petite. Right. Actually, now know. now I'm looking at more of it. I'm like, this was definitely just the positive connotations of Nikki and Zoe being. I'm there. sorry for <laughs> erasing those positive connotations. It's okay. Yeah. It, you have to hold me accountable because I just forgot. <laughs> yeah. So I don't vibe with like. Saladin's artist 
choices. I think Jung is better than Vasquez. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I just saw the cover, the, the Bruno cover. I don't like that. That is not good for... <laughs> yeah. I, whenever there was like a romantic cover in Jewel Wilson's run, it was very much, oh, like cutesy. And like that, that's better for teenage girls, preteens. Literally, like I have seen so many instances of Miss Marvel being used in classroom settings as an education tool. Yeah. And even like... Oh my God. When, and one of my friend and one of my friends, she heard, like she majored in education, and she did a whole like project on Miss Marvel because we were roommates, and she and she saw my Miss Marvel issues and like heard about it, and she like did a whole project on Miss Marvel as an education tool and borrowed my trade paperback to use in her class. And I'm like, I, I don't really feel that with magnificent Miss Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't think you could use, especially with the increased violence too. Yeah, like we're we're gonna switch over to champions for that one. <laughs> yeah. I think that just all ties in with like our disagreement with the tone of Magnificent Miss Marvel overall. Well, I guess that's the last. <laughs> like we, we always have like one more thing to that we think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess my one word thing is like, there's not enough criticism of this run. It's all positive. That's, that's really it's true. It's all universally positive. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I, one of us, like, we have to like write something for one of these women write about comics websites. You know, <laughs> like, someone needs to like address this. I feel like it's because a lot of like white women or like non South Asian women are reading it, and no one wants to like say something about a comic. That's, a man like, of color. Le- it's less relevant to their identity, you know. So probably like a Pakistani woman writing a criticism of Magnificent Miss Marvel would be much more important. Or just saying, like, go, a, a go white, write this like article. If, yeah, because, like, if a white woman, legit, if a white woman wrote a big fuck you to Magnificent Miss Marvel, I'd kind of be like, okay, bitch, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so I, like, I feel like if you if you write something, that would be a lot better, you know? Gotta do that. Because I'm like, if any, if any white person criticizes, I'm like, I will eat you. Do not look at him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even then, like, it's weird how so many white women are, I've seen white women kind of take on this book, and, like, they, like, put a pass to so many things, and I'm, like, I don't even think they would, like, think to criticize the Kamala Bruno plotline, to be honest, because he's just, quote-unquote, a nice boy who wants to be with her and stuff. Like, I've seen, like, one white woman comics YouTuber just kind of, like, say that. Yeah, but also, I guess it's not their place to criticize him at all, you know? Yeah. So, I I would rather see, like someone like you criticize it more than a, a white woman because i would be like where did where do you have the audacity to do this it's gotta be me <laughs> thanks for tuning in for this month's episode of champions and chai if you like what you heard subscribe to us on anchor.fm slash champs hyphen chai or wherever you get podcasts, and please rate and review us in the Apple Podcast Store. Again, thank you for listening.